0: Today we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G 2 Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris.
1: Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is uh, Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case you're tuning in for the first time, the Talent Talk radio show features a wide range of guests who care about talent and are uniquely talented themselves. So in this show, we talk about talent in those two ways. First, as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people. And second, we also talk about talent in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today. Hopefully, you see how that works. The word talent has a couple different meanings in the business world, and this show really looks to explore those two areas as best we can. My guests typically include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives, coaches, recruiters, just all sorts of great people from from the industry of talent, and when I'm out at networking events or industry conferences, I tend to have the privilege of meeting inspiring leaders all the time. So I created this forum to allow you to listen on our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice that will impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guest today, I want to thank those of you tuning in live. Don't forget you can submit your questions via Twitter. Just tweet them to at PeopleG2, use the hashtag TalentTalk. And my producer, Mike, will feed me the best questions, and we'll try to work them in the show. You can also send us suggestions, uh, questions we should ask, uh, guest suggestions, and anything else that's on your mind. Don't forget, you can uh, also listen to this show on our podcast on iTunes or Android, as well as subscribe to have the weekly show sent to you. That's typically how most of you are interacting with the show. In fact, we just went over the 60,000 subscriber mark on our podcast feed uh, this week, and we're really proud of that. So, thank you for listening. With uh, that said, let's get today's show started. My guests uh, are Blake uh, Gaska. Am I saying that right, Blake? You are. All right, good. good. Uh, CEO at uh, Convoy Technology, and also Scott Manning. He's the founder of Million Dollar Methods. Scott will be joining me later in the show. So, let's get to my first guest, uh, Blake. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm
2: just uh, <laughs> I'm happy it's sub 100 in here. That's you know? right. Yeah, 100 plus degrees outside for,
1: for anyone who's listening at a different time of the year or in a different geographical location we're in southern california we're having an insane heat wave i think i left my house at about 105 in near belinda so uh it, that's a little unusual in september i think for us but anyways we won't complain too much we have the beaches and the mountains and everything else that's right. but um so tell us a little bit about yourself and of course your company uh, convoy technologies
2: yeah <laughs> I'm Blake Ask. I'm the CEO of Convoy Technologies. I'm 31 years young slash old. But uh, I'm local, actually, Chris. I, I'm from I'm from South Orange County. Grew up here when it was far different. I was Orange Groves and Shawberry Fields and have grown, uh, stayed in Southern California, went to Squat Loyola Marymount University up in L.A. and traveled the world and uh, ended up living where I ended up uh, growing up. So, like
1: most of us do. <laughs> yeah. You
2: realize when you travel the world how, how beautiful this place actually is. I'm not uh-huh. sure who said it. You didn't realize how a nice home is until you travel the world and you realize what home actually is and it's a beautiful place so uh convoy technologies we're uh <laughs> we're kind of an interesting uh, company as we're going through uh several transitions right now in, in a positive in a, in a kind of a positive aspect of it uh, we're uh, we're a fleet technology company so we specialize in fleet safety security and productivity products now what does that mean to the average person so you have trucks on the road that are driving they're determined to be unsafe but most people look at them as being a liability but what people don't understand that these guys are hard workers they work long hours and and they're traditionally the more safer drivers uh, so we we provide technologies that want to help the driver uh, to look at uh, be able to provide uh, surveillance in and around the vehicle um, and also be able to provide information for the fleet manager. So, is the driver driving safe? Are they texting and driving? Are they uh, are they going over the speed limit? Uh, so, a lot of these things are now with technology emerging, uh, like LTE and cloud based services, we're able to transfer mm-hmm. that information up to the cloud. Uh, so, it's a it's a, it's a very interesting industry. It's constantly growing yet be very dynamic, and we're having fun doing it. There's just a huge market out there, and uh, some great opportunities because of the technology that's opened up.
1: Well, and I think as you just mentioned, this is not only a a service that's really kind of focused on helping that fleet manager deal with their people but it sounds like there's also some great ways which the drivers can be rewarded the drivers can be recognized for being you know the the great driver they are i mean a lot of times maybe in the past they would just be driving doing their job and no one would notice they'd only notice the the yahoos that were getting in the wrecks or getting having the problems right and so now this is a, a way to really allow them to see on a statistical level what's happening right good and bad
2: that's exactly it i mean people don't realize that these guys uh a lot of times it's easy when we see a a big rig or a tractor trailer or a commercial vehicle on the side of the road and there's there's a minivan on the side we instantaneously look at the at the uh at the commercial vehicle and the big logo on the side of the vehicle is being at fault and uh, what our job is to it's not it's not to uh it's not to determine uh it's not it's not only to prevent accidents, but it's also to, to play back and see what happened to use as training tools mm-hmm. mechanism. So, uh, one, it's about preventing them from happening. But more importantly, you need to see exactly what happened. Uh, with with the products that uh, we're developing and, and also our partners like uh, Verizon Wireless, et cetera, which we're a VPP program with uh, with now, we're able to provide the level of service that, uh, uh, one, really helps fleet managers and drivers, but more importantly, actually helps a common uh, driver, uh, you know, passenger vehicle uh, on the road, just peace of mind that, that these guys are being looked after, but um, and they're, they're they actually have equipment and technology that's going to make them and ultimately you. Uh, safer drivers and the road safer, so Mm -hmm. uh, it's really a win-win for for everyone we've been looked at in the past i'd say over the last couple years we've had the big brother mentality posted on us and saying hey look you're gonna you're gonna log in you're gonna see what my drivers are doing we're you know there's that privacy factor but uh, we've overcome the unions and a couple other uh groups that were that were didn't like this technology for a variety of reasons and they're really saying hey look at this is really making a difference on the road so
1: Mm -hmm. yeah well, so as the co-founder and CEO of, of Convoy Technologies, you really helped to establish the vision of the company, which is obviously it's pretty obvious. But I guess what I'm wondering that might be a little less obvious is what drive really drives you or keeps you motivated, which then in turn really helps you motivate your team.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, what really drives me is you know you, there's a lot of different things that a lot of people would would say to answer that question, but for me, it's the people. I think it's the people that you work with you. When you start a company and you, you watch it grow, one thing that that remains constant is, is, is actually the drive, the passion, but it changes over a period of time. Even people mm-hmm. change. And I think when you look at the people that you surround yourself and you see how hard they're working, they're not just working for you, they're working for each other. Right. So what what drives me and what really gets, gets I, I feel, us to the next levels, it, it, I, I look at it as like warfare. You fight for the man next to you. And I, I think... Uh, when I look around the office and when I travel and I see employees all throughout the world, it's it's really nice to see that these guys are are we're working as one team. In 15, 20 years ago, we wouldn't be, this wouldn't be possible. Uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're now living in an age where you could be all over the place, constantly communicate daily. We're connected at the hip with our smartphones, our tablets, uh, as well in the office. So uh, it, it's really when it comes down to it, it's the people. Uh, it sounds really cliche, but it really comes down to that.
1: So I know you you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, I think your company started in 2008, and mm-hmm. now you're kind of into this now high growth mode, uh, really starting to take off. You were just named on the Inc. 5,000 list, so mm-hmm. congratulations yes. for that. Thanks. Uh, hopefully, we'll we can meet up there and uh, uh, get get into some trouble. <laughs> hopefully, no one that we know is listening to the show right now. <laughs> but um, anyways, looking at it, uh, you know, from the organizational perspective. What is it that you think has really taken Convoy to this level, where, you know, from where you're a startup, you know, you're, you're struggling, you have an idea, but now you're in this high growth phase. I, I understand what you do, but why do you think now you're starting to be really successful?
2: It's not easy. I mean, you have to be, one, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to be honest with with yourself on your team's capabilities. Again, the answer to your question, is: it's the people. I, I really think you can talk about products and services and how great your vision is and Etc. But if unless you have the people to execute what your vision is, it's nothing. You are mm-hmm. going to just fall flat on your face. I think the biggest challenge that CEOs, especially young CEOs like myself, this is my first venture, and I never looked at myself as a CEO or <laughs> even an entrepreneur. To be quite honest with you, it kind of just it really came down to hey, look, we're in a corner. We 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 have an opportunity to go go along with another organization or start our own company. We elected to start our own company, and, and really, it's it's driven the culture. But more importantly, it's, it's really it's really driven by the people to get to the next level so uh, when you talk about the success of an organization you can never mention one person and and anyone unless you unless you're the only person at your organization that's growing uh you have to point to the people around you so the trick is to find people uh that and surround yourself by people that are better than you in other areas and, and find your blind spots and you have to be honest with yourself
1: so. Right, right so we we've mentioned the word success here a few times uh already in this Interview, So I'm wondering, how do you evaluate then or determine what is successful in your company? Because you can meet a goal, right? And you yeah, exactly. can still be unprofitable. You can still, yeah. you can do, people can do what you ask them to do and still be falling flat on your face. So, Yes.
2: You know. The easy answer to that is, is results, right? Everyone's going to say, well, how do you determine your success? Well, it's, it's results, whether it's an individual or, or uh, you know, uh, you're end numbers. But uh, I would say, it's good. It's actually has to do with your failures. Actually, as you, as all entrepreneurs know, and as you kind of grow with uh, with an organization, or as you as you go along your career, you you really evaluate your failures to determine what your successes are. Um, and I know there's there's people probably out there smiling and says absolutely because at the end of the day, you're going to fail more times than you succeed. But it's how you deal with those failures and making sure you can continue to grow. Um, one as an individual, and uh, in, in, as well as an organization, it, it's really how. How well you bounce back from mm-hmm. from the failure. So I determine success very differently than probably a lot of people do. I, I, I like to look at individuals and see how they're growing with an organization and determine. Hey, look at did we fail? That's fine. Fail fast. But if you if you're failing fast, what did you do? What did uh, what did you do to improve it? Are we? Be- is it a better outcome because you actually fix your failure? So um, learning from your failures is a really important uh, important aspect to to really understand your your successes.
1: Right. So one of the things that I do uh, kind of on the side and I do some speaking things on this and I help some companies from time to time really help develop what their culture is going to be and help set the direction because I think people people very often think they have culture and then they don't. Their culture is just whatever it is that they all ended up with when they all got together, <laughs> right? As opposed to it being this really specific, very... Uh, intentional things so I'm wondering you know when you look at your company right now as far as the culture goes in the organization how would you describe it or what are some of the you know kind of foundational values that you look at uh, that you're kind of relying on to you know keep people together keep them wanting to work hard probably work more, harder than they ever imagined in a startup how do you, how do you view that right now?
2: Yeah, That's a good question. Uh, that's it, it, probably the, the, the one asset people don't talk about when they talk about the, su- the success uh, of an organization, but the culture is huge. And when you're hiring someone and we bring someone on board, you really have to look at their company culture, if you want to be honest with yourself. You really mm-hmm. want to grow the business. Uh, you know it, What we look for at Convoy is one with, because we're we we're a smaller, we're no longer a startup, but we're a smaller organization, getting to the next level, we look for people who... Are already in that entrepreneurial mindset we're looking for people mm-hmm. who are who are really going to wear multiple hats naturally uh and, and that's a challenge nowadays we talked about before or we we're on air about uh, how difficult it is to to find people um even through just resumes uh, but right. you really don't know until you're sitting with them side by side if they're going to figure out and you know usually within the first 10 seconds if they're going to fit within your company culture uh, for ours we're uh, we're, we're very entrepreneurial we work very hard but it sounds very cliche for a growing company but uh, honestly those are those are characteristics that are really hard to find i, I would say that uh it's evolved uh, to be to be candid and honest with you i think as we've matured as an organization oh, sure. it has to evolve uh, right uh, yeah absolutely Even if you have
1: i mean google or some of the big ones that people always refer to those are always changing they're always sure. evolving right yeah
2: yeah we'll take google for example it's people don't realize what they're their their uh, tagline is it's it's don't be evil right and it started mm-hmm. with and now people would argue that today but <laughs> they kept that company culture throughout all the all these years and uh, you know if you go to uh, Mountain View you still see that uh, that culture there it's laid back have fun but work hard right take naps but work get back to work and enjoy that and you build that culture and you you understand and that's really what people talk about brands right they talk about branding but really your culture is what brands you uh, from an employee standpoint, if you're looking for additional talent to come on board. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how we'd be here all day talking about how our culture is adapted and evolved, but it, it really is almost like a, one, we enjoy each other's company. Uh, we work really hard for the guy next to us, and, and uh, I would have to compare it to probably like a like a sports team. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we do everything, we go everywhere together, we work hard, and uh, we're open and honest with each other. I think that's a very important part, uh, mm-hmm. and if someone doesn't fit that culture, you know, and I've told I think we've all dealt with it. You have to, you have to axe it. You have to get rid of mm-hmm. them um, because that is the most important asset you really do have, especially in the young years of your organization.
1: Yeah. So I'm wondering if there's maybe before you started Convoy, some past successes that you've had in your life that maybe helped really kind of contribute to to where you are today. It, it might be another business you were in, another job you were in. It might have been your first lemonade stand when you were four. I mean, you know, was there some or one or maybe a couple of different successes that you can kind of pinpoint and say, you know, those were the kind of fundamental for me wanting to be an entrepreneur or fundamental for me wanting to get into transportation or whatever it may be.
2: Yeah. So let me be clear. I never wanted to get into transportation. I don't right. think anyone really does. I, I enjoy technology, but uh, probably uh, I, was an, I was an athlete all the way through college uh i was a baseball player and, and really you learn that uh that discipline and, and uh, learn to respect your teammates and everything else you, you you learn you pick up characteristics but i was really good at, i would say at doing to i was good at evaluating people i was the youngest of six and mm-hmm. uh i was able to see my five predecessors fail multiple times and I, it's kind of like you know touching a hot stove you see someone get burnt I, I i would maybe touch it but i would realize okay well i won't do that again so I, I think I developed good habits, one with the combination of uh, being raised in, in the right household, this combination with uh, being a uh, an athlete, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and just honestly, it's having the right mentors. It's finding the right guys along the way that, uh, again, this is my, uh, you know, first venture, and, and we I did not intend to be an entrepreneur and or uh, a CEO, uh, but it ended up turning out that way, and I realized that I had apparently a skill set that I didn't know I had. Uh, mm-hmm. So, which is motivating others and, and really getting everyone on the same team and fighting for the same cause, so, right? Um, I, I guess I can't answer that. I, I think there's a lot of different things, and again, we'll be here for a long time. But
1: uh, so it wasn't a glaring, like a big, because y- y- I remember like making like twenty seven dollars in one day <laughs> oh, yeah. from a lemonade stand, <laughs> and that was go. like that was awesome. I bought so much candy at the liquor store that I rode on my bike that I wasn't supposed to go to because it was too far from my house, yep. but I went anyways, and bought like twenty dollars, which was like you know a grocery store bag full of candy back then, right? Wow. So that was um, it for you, huh? That was That's it, man. Idea. I was like, well, I mean, just you know, to make money that quickly, yep. you know, to have and, and and I enjoyed meeting people, talking to people, making them happy. They 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 were happy buying it from some cute kids standing on the corner. It was the whole you know there was a connection, the relationship, the give and take. I mean, some old guy would come by and just give you like a $5 tip just because yep. he felt like it to be nice. I mean, there was so many lessons to be learned in that that, you know, I think I look back at that kind of being a a moment of, I didn't at that moment say I'm going to go out and be an entrepreneur, but I mean, I enjoyed yep. that that feeling, that interaction. And so you start, you start seeking it more and more and more. Sure, sure.
2: Know? It's definitely the adrenaline rush. So one thing I do admit, and I've noticed with other entrepreneurs and and, and and executives is they hate to lose uh, mm-hmm. you know a lot of people say well you just like winning no it's 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 more than that i hate to lose and there's a huge difference there mm-hmm. uh so you know maybe that's the maybe that's the sports side of me talking but uh wh- what you 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 start really enjoying the the adrenaline rush and, and mm-hmm. also, also the battle uh, i like being on the front lines i don't like being behind a desk candidly uh, I like being with the cuspers and with the team. Uh, so I, I would say it's more of a, <laughs> I, I don't want to lose. I want to consistently, and when I do, I want to understand why I didn't win. It's kind of a stubborn right. attitude to have, but uh, I think that's well, that the drive. That goes
1: back to the sports stuff, right? Because you probably spend a lot of time, especially in baseball, you can really overanalyze there. Oh, yeah. You can get on tape, you can watch your batting swing like a million times. You can watch how you're throwing the ball. You can. I mean, all these things, you can... And you can watch your competition as well and how they're doing stuff. So mm-hmm. you can go back and learn so much from how you fail. And in baseball, I mean, you're pretty much failing a majority of the time. Absolutely. If you're batting three you you're failing, six what, and a half times. Six, yeah, <laughs> 65% of the time, and you're considered a star. Yep.
2: <laughs> absolutely. So
1: it's a totally different mentality, right? Absolutely.
2: And that's what, uh, you know, entrepreneurs listening, I mean, you really, the mental toughness is absolutely key. I mean, you have to be... Uh, mentally tough and mentally prepared more than anything. I mean, you can. Uh, it's a lot of people have an easier time than others, but I would say most people that that are either listening and, and you may say the same thing. It's it's it can be mentally draining, and there's going to be many times where you want to just give up or or uh, I mean, not give up, but you definitely say, you know, what am I doing? You definitely have questions uh, yeah. for yourself, and those moments really build character. And I think when I, when you get to those points where you hit some low points and you really start asking yourself the right questions. That's when you grow, not mm-hmm. just as a CEO or executive, but as an individual, and it really helps right. out in life. So, it's it's cliche, but enjoy the ride and really, really concentrate on those moments that are really tough. And then you can you'll you'll start realizing you'll use those moments later on, and things do get better. I don't say they get easier; they get harder, but you know how to you know what you're capable of yourself. Right, right,
1: right. Point. So be, beyond the mental toughness, then, what other advice might you give someone who's a new entrepreneur, maybe looking to? start their first company or take that dive you know are there there certain things that you wish you would have known or you would have done differently
2: yeah absolutely i i always i use this line quite often even outside of people that are are going through hard times i always say this is you know you got to don't lie to yourself uh it's one thing to lie to others it's Mm -hmm. bad enough but don't lie to yourself and don't believe it. I, I always say before you're an entrepreneur, and, and people really don't understand. I think with Shark Tank and a lot of things that are on TV nowadays, that they go, "Wow, I can do that!" And you can. I, I encourage everyone to really start start a business, start a start an enterprise, start something that, uh, and really get. It, it's fantastic. It's good for the country. It's good for what we're doing. But one thing you really that's missing from the glitz and glamour of being an entrepreneur is is the the actual tough work. Uh, that goes into it. You have mm-hmm. to be mentally prepared. And what one thing I'd recommend is find someone you're really close to, whether it's a friend, uh, your spouse, or, or maybe your, your parents, someone. And someone that you can trust, and that's going to give you an, an honest opinion. And you, just, you sit there in front of them with the door shut and say, I want you to tell me what my strengths and weaknesses are, and I don't want you to sugarcoat it. And then once you actually have that conversation, you sit in front of them and they look at you in the eye and they tell you that, it's going to sting a little. It's going to hurt. Yeah, but what you do is you say, okay, can I start a company with these strengths and these weaknesses Mm -hmm. and if i don't if i can't find someone to replace these weaknesses you really need to question yourself and wonder if you're going to do it um because you're going to use you're you're going it's it's like uh it's it's it's, god you know it's like go running a marathon you have to prep for it and really you can get so far but then you have to really mentally push through
1: right So. so i guess you're you're really suggesting that you need to identify you need to get someone to who you trust that will tell you the truth uh, and help you identify those strengths and weaknesses. And I think that, that that's a really good starting point. Um, you know, when, when people have asked me a similar question, I've always said, you need to deal with your weaknesses. And what I mean by that is that I, I always ask this question when I was, you know, first started going to conferences and was first starting to be an entrepreneur, I would ask really successful people, I would say, you know, should you work on your weaknesses? And they said, absolutely. And I would say, okay, but do you do that? And they would say, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> And I go, what do you mean? And they go, well, I, I get somebody else to do what I'm not good at. Yeah. But yet they were. It's like this, this society's preaching: you have to work on what you're not good at. That's right. And, and maybe that's true, like with your relationship with your wife or something more like. Yep. But, but when it comes to work, if you're not any good at something, mm-hmm. you need to get it off your plate, and it needs to be with somebody else who is really good at it. Mm-hmm. And you focus on the things that you're great at, and that that seems to be the recipe. I think for, for people to be entrepreneurs, especially to be successful, that is it. Yeah. Because they have to wear every hat when they start. Yep. But as soon as you can get one of those hats off, you got to get it off. And start with the ones you're not good at. You're not good at accounting. You're not good at, you know, talking to people on the phone, or whatever it may be. Yep. You know, I mean, you got it out of there. So. And
2: le- leave them alone. Once you hire that person, yeah. it's hard to leave them alone because you've been doing what you've been doing uh-huh. for so long. It's hard to say, look, you hired that person for a reason. Let them do what they're, they're good at and you know, just let them be because that person, they will leave you if, you're, if you're being, they're being micromanaged. So yeah, yeah. I think the hardest part is letting people go or letting people do what they're supposed to be hired for.
1: So we're almost out of time. I want to make sure I ask you our favorite question to ask our guests, and that, and that is what are you reading right now?
2: Oh God! Uh, you know, I read Robert Greene books. I read, I read actually military books and Robert mm-hmm. Greene, and and I'll read the Robert Greens, the, uh, the Art of War, the forty, the, the I believe it's the forty laws of power, et cetera. Those are for those are you looking at starting a business or the entrepreneurial side if you start multiple businesses Robert green's fantastic uh, I constantly read it, there's not one there's you got to read all of them
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, they use historical and he really he really I love it because he really talks about business uh, it's actually takes he ties it back in in his own nice way but it, he, it's always about uh, past sports experiences military experiences etc and really what mindset you have to have it's not necessarily what you want to hear it's what you need to hear
1: mm-hmm we really appreciate you being on the show, and uh, you've been a great guest. We certainly learned a lot uh, today. Um, we'll we always post a nice little kind of summary of this on our blog, and we'll list the books that uh, he talked about for anyone who's listening. But but before we go, uh, how can people uh, reach out to you if they're lear- interested in learning more about convoy? Excuse me, convoy technologies.
2: Yeah, just go to ConvoyTechnologies.com, or com, y- you can. Follow me on Twitter, Blake Gaska, uh, or just email me, BGaska, G-A-S-C-A, at ConvoyTechnology.com. Talk to me. Ask any questions, and I'll be more than happy to answer That's
1: Fantastic. You. Well, Blake, again, thank you for being our guest on the Talent Talk Radio Show. We'd love to have you come back and uh, hopefully tell us about all the great things you're doing uh, down the road. Nice for having me, Chris. Okay. Uh, up next, uh, Scott Manning will be on after this quick commercial break. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Talent Talk radio show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast of this show and listen to past shows by visiting either octalkradio.net or talenttalkradio.com. As I mentioned earlier, we already have over 60,000 people who have uh uh, subscribe to the podcast and we really appreciate you listening and uh, enjoying the show. So my next guest is Scott Manning, uh, founder of Million Dollar Methods. Don't forget you can tweet your questions uh, live to him right now by sending them to peopleg 2 and using that hashtag, all one word, talent talk. So Scott, welcome to the show.
3: Hi Chris, uh, thank you so much uh, for having me. I'm uh, honored and excited. It's great to, great to talk to you again.
1: Yeah, so tell us uh, about yourself and, of course, your company, Million Dollar Methods.
3: Sure. Well, th- thanks for the opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I guess in a, in a really short uh, thumbnail sketch, uh, I began my, my entrepreneurial journey uh, at, uh, at 15 when I started the, a martial arts school that I actually held for about 10 years. I built up a small little empire in a rural Indiana of about six locations and just over a... a 15 employees, and uh, it was uh, it was my hardest yet probably one of my most rewarding learning experiences in life. Uh, sort of uh, learning from the the, the the street smart entrepreneur and getting my n- nose bloodied in the in the trenches. So uh, from there, I uh, leveraged my interest in business to uh, fall through with an MBA up from the University of Phoenix and led into a, a coaching business opportunity to help other uh, small business owners and entrepreneurs of, of all walks of life, really. And through a, a couple other turns of events that we don't have time for, I, I decided to dedicate myself to really helping companies develop a, a formula for success financially as they grow their company, which is why we have million-dollar methods. And sort of as the name portrays, uh, the, the theory is that there are very specific methods that lead to a business being successful, finding the right customers, uh, and and growing profitably. So uh, that's where I invest my time now is coach or consultant to companies that really want to grow and uh, to make a difference for their teams and their customers.
1: So with these successes you've had as an entrepreneur, both, you know, like you said, directly with uh, starting off there in Indiana in the martial arts uh uh, genre, and then later on, kind of moving on into that being more into helping other people. I mean, you're an entrepreneur yourself in, in what you do in helping other people. So maybe you, you can talk a little bit about what drives you as an entrepreneur, you know, to be successful and to, can, to kind of continue into that instead of, you know, working for somebody else or some consulting firm. You know. what, what keeps you grounded into wanting to do it, you know, for yourself?
3: Thanks for asking. You know, it's probably my favorite question because I, I, I have a Expression, I'm sure I took it from someone else, but it's not about how much money you make. It's about how you make the money. And the how is, is, is really what life is all about. And and I think that I know, you know, for, for the, all of the people over the world that you advise, uh, the company models that you help with, and with your own team, uh, you really have a, a, a concept of ideal lifestyle. And we know that uh, helping other people be successful we'll also make ourselves successful. So I decide that I need to have the best work environment and lifestyle and autonomy in my business if uh, if I'm going to do it for other people. And so, uh, you know, I, I am my own boss, so to speak. Uh, sometimes that's good news and bad news because uh, you you got all, you make all the decisions, but sometimes you're the most dysfunctional person you know. So in my path as a, an entrepreneur, I, I've set out to really show people that you don't have to be a self-employed slave to your business you really can't design it the way you wish it to be and if you do that it's going to make you better for everyone you serve
1: yeah i love that comment i you know i think most entrepreneurs really feel like they're the most dysfunctional person they know because i think <laughs> I, I think every good entrepreneur really has a level of introspection they're always kind of evaluating themselves and they're Always trying to find a way to grow or to get better, and so they tend to think that they're the worst one out there at the same time, or at least at some moment in time. Um, so right. I, I think that's a great that's a great comment. So I, I know some of your you know bigger successes have been in that coaching area and business development area. So maybe what are some of the attributes that you look for in entrepreneurs that you choose to work with and coach? You know, and what are some of the expect, expectations of them, which you know will really help them turn something into a success?
3: Yeah, well, that's a really smart question, and, you know, I think uh, you, you you just validated what I mentioned. So, you, you know, a, an entrepreneur or anyone, even the people that, uh, you know, they follow your guidance and, and, and with, with what you practice, what you preach, you want to look for A players. I mean, a perfectionist is what you just mentioned, a person who constantly feels some sort of dysfunction because they're striving to be the best they can be. You know, I I can help a lot of people. The ones that are the easiest to help and the most enjoyable to work with are those that are ambitious, those people that are, uh, you know, they're hungry for more and that they are already very successful. Uh, the the A-plus or the A-players always want to become A-plus players. People who made the All-Star team this year, they want to make the All-Star team next year. You know, people who win championships continue winning championships because they never settle. And my, my best clients are those, they never settle. They're always looking out at the next mountain peak. And it's not that they're not happy because they can be happy stopping at any moment. They're always feeling fulfilled. But there's just something more. It's in their nature. You know, if I were to give you The same things that we all read about and we learn about, uh, but the attributes are, you know, focus and follow-through. They have commitment. Uh, We have an expression when I built the largest uh, small business coaching program in the country out of Indianapolis, Indiana, and we would always uh, have an expression that uh, we're interested in real entrepreneurs, not pretend ones. And, And there is quite a difference between saying you want to achieve something and being committed to it or just talking about it. And, you know, I work with uh, a a lot of professional practice now. One of the major segments of my life is is working with doctors of of all different types of niches and specialties. And you will have some that they just want to practice doctor and they want to see patients, earn a living, and that's fine. But the ones that really are looking to get a return on their investment of owning a practice, you know, they're always uh, looking for more and better ways of doing things. So I think I, I hope that answers your question, but that's, kind of describes a, the, the right mindset of person for me.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you want to have those people who are motivated and want to learn, want to be successful, want to uh, maybe, you know, I think not satisfied is a really good way to put it, um, you know, at least in what they can achieve. Uh, you know, we see that I think in successful sports stars and everyone knows at some point they're going to have to stop because their bodies just aren't going to be able to deliver what mm-hmm. their mind can. Um, but while they have that physical ability they you know they're not going to give in they're not going to be satisfied until they've done everything they can and for us entrepreneurs we have the luxury of a much longer lifespan because it's our brains that we need uh, and maybe our fingertips for the keyboard but you know it's our brains that we need to to really do these things that we envision do these things that we want to accomplish and and to be able to hopefully impact other people as well.
3: Wow that's well said.
1: So I I know um, you you wrote a book i think back in 2008 in fact i'll admit i didn't know you had written a book but my producer mike had, had in his research figured that out so i'm wondering because I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm curious about it as well maybe you can share a little bit about what the book was about and and what people might gain from reading it
3: sure well thanks uh, uh unfortunately your producer is just far too astute because i don't know if i would even consider the book i i do happen uh, to be uh so uh, to, to working on a new, updated version of it now, but I will tell you, it, it, it was a book that is the namesake for the company. It was called $12 Million Methods for Building a Business, and, and again, it, it laid out 12 things that no company can be without, but a way to optimize and maximize each aspect. Uh, in the book, it talks about... Uh, you know a competitive advantage it talks about price point it talks about uh, what people call the USP or unique selling proposition which I have very strong feelings about probably more now than I did when I wrote the book it, it talks about how the educated customers are the best ones and that selling someone versus influencing them will really play into your retention and your ability to garner referrals and uh, repeat business so uh, you know it's, it's, it's a bit more of a handbook uh, than anything uh, but it 's really meant if someone to have as a guide to take them through uh, the systems every business cannot avoid it 's just helping you to customize them for your specific approach and philosophy of of capitalism
1: yeah, yeah, well, and certainly it sounds like uh, the the new edition that you 'll be putting together will be even more even more valuable now that you have. All this time since then, and it, probably additional examples, and, and probably in a more concrete and hyper-focused view on some of those areas that were important to you back then, that maybe have really come, uh, even become more important now, right?
3: Absolutely.
1: So uh, I'm wondering when you when you think about uh, culture in relation to these entrepreneurs and companies that you work with, is there, is there something that maybe many of them have that? has kind of of geared towards success are you seeing some things that they're doing maybe with culture that you know are on on a regular basis uh successful or is it all kind of all over the road sure well
3: no i think i mean i i I, i'm sure that there's uh you know many many recipes for a, a good tasting cake but they do all end up different so Uh, You know, I would say, and I don't know the type of, uh, you know, how the wide range of audience that listens in, of course, very wisely so, but I would just say that I believe every individual is in a business of one. Even if you're the CEO of a large enterprise, you also are in the business of one. Your own personal brand, your own uh, beliefs and philosophies, the endeavors you take on next, all the way down to the, to the front desk receptionist of a brick-and-mortar office or an online virtual support system, this person owns their job. And I think it's really important people think of that. That ties in to my view of culture and also what I have seen as the most successful one. And to to sort of summarize it into what's probably more of a cliche now, but is ownership of role. Uh, The very first thing that we do after we do an individual consulting day, I do a lot of blueprint days with people to help them design their business as they wish it to be, is that we take that blueprint and we now go integrate it into the team, but we don't do it by, hey, here's some great new ideas that we're all going to try, and we expect them to just follow suit and, and, and agree with us. Rather, we do it in a very... Transformational way that the staff actually gets to feed back the plan to you. It gets them on board. My favorite saying with with a team of people, whether it's five or five hundred, is that: Do you know what ideas you're going to love the most and follow through with tomorrow morning? Yeah, they're your ideas. Those are the only ones. It doesn't matter whether I was listening on one of the commercials, uh, whether you're apple or starbucks or amazon or whoever you are at the end of the day every person walks into their job with a lot more on their mind than their employment and their own ideas are the ones they're going to follow through with and so i like a culture that ingrains the people that rallies the troops that makes them all feel like their role is important in whatever way it is and helps them to create an ownership over their responsibilities the outcomes of those and gets them involved in the direction of the company. And I happen to know, uh, because of our relationship and, and the, the guidance I received from you and watching you from a distance, uh, that your philosophies are also, uh, you know, I mean, they, they internationally leading of, of clients and companies all over the world that you inspire uh, through your very uh ambitious and uh, involved you know methods of culture i think i agree with anything you've ever said and and you've helped me to see it in a bigger way and and really inspire uh, my excellence in this idea of people and culture and team as well,
1: well i i really appreciate that uh you know we, we it's something we've been really fascinated on i've been fascinated with for a very long time and we've really uh I spent a great deal of time kind of thinking about it and talking about it and reading about it, and uh, and now on the show we spend a lot of time talking about it and asking our guests what their view is and how they how they see the world. And um, like you said, there's a lot of different ways to make a cake, and you know, it, it, at some level, it's still going to be a cake, but there's a lot of different variations. And that's right. we see a lot of variations. Unfortunately, what we see is a lot of people who are making a beautiful looking cake that tastes like crap. <laughs> and yeah. oh, and gosh. they think their culture is so much better than it is because it looks nice, it looks fancy. But if you actually yep. make them have to, you know, eat a piece of that cake and, and really have to, you know, dive into that culture, it really has some problems and there really is some some issues there. And that's what we try to help out. That's where I, I try to jump in is to say, well, how do we make this good looking cake? actually tastes good and i make the and i think that yeah. was the point you made is how you know the employees come in with all these other things on their mind they have lives that are outside of their outside of their job but they want to feel important they want to feel motivated they want to feel engaged and they really want to give to the company it's not just about what the company can do for them but they really want to give to the company but it yeah. you know, has to be that right form and setting for them to feel like they can do that and Uh, That can be a challenge. So you've been so good for us today, Scott. I want to see if I can maybe throw throw a curveball your way and give you a really hard question Um, (laughs) and see what you do with it. So here's the scenario. There's two companies. Company A has... You know, has been going for a while and then they're they're having problems. Maybe it's a recession, maybe it's a market conditions, but they're 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 struggling. And then you have company B, who's a brand new startup who's coming into the marketplace. Where do you see as the unique challenges for these two companies that are actually the same thing, that are that are, you know, synonymous between the companies? They're different industries are having different problems, different things. But what what are some of those core things that they are ultimately they both both companies should really be worried about? Huh.
3: Well, uh, again, it's a beautiful question. I, I love this. I can get used to this whole uh, guest on your show because you're making me think, which is great. <laughs> and first of all, I just want to do I, I, I think it's important that uh, uh, I, I'm on here because I suppose I'm an expert, but I want to bow down to the master, okay, of culture and just say that, uh, there's no person I know who has studied it more applied it in their own life and really lives it uh, with their clients and with the people they serve and you so it really means a lot to me to just be able to, to listen to your answer which I think was the cake analogy and how you described it and ran with it was just amazing but look your question for me is very simple at the end of the day every company has to deal with this one thing that I think most never do, and that is seeing their business through the eyes of the customer. You know, it doesn't make any difference. I do, well, I mean, people would pass out if I told them the dollar figure of business in the dental industry alone, and in probably the highest paid, and I hope so, I raised the fee, consultant that works individually with a dentist in the entire industry, and it's one of the largest there is. And at the end of the day, the biggest problem, no matter whether that practice is doing general dentistry, doing high-end, full mouth makeovers, beautiful smile kind of things, or very specialized in medical type dentistry, they all try to preach their clinical expertise to patients that don't care. And in most every business, we get caught up in whatever our version of clinical is, and we stop thinking about it from the customer's point of view. Now, in a large company or even down to a three-person operation, you also have to consider people, which is the question we've already answered. But the most important thing, whether a company has a market recession or they want to blame the economy or they're a new startup business, it's that you have to live it through the customer's eyes. If you want to grow fast, you want to get referrals, you want to dominate a market, you have to have obvious differentiation. You know, the reason why I hate the idea of unique selling proposition is because It doesn't matter how I say I'm different. It only matters what my customers tell other people about how I'm different. What matters at the end of the day is the experience the customer walks away with, whether they're going to come back, whether they're going to tell other people. I think so many companies get caught up in trying to fix inside of their business by looking only inside of their business and not really looking at what's going on around them and looking at the people who are interacting with them on a daily basis. So every company has to make a profit to be successful. I think that it's great if if people can do that at at a premium fee where they cannot be uh, cheap about their customer experience. And I think the customer doesn't always have to be right. but You should never be cheap about the ones you serve. And if that means you have to market at a higher level, you have to hire better people, you have to create a more uh, uh, congruent culture. If you have to, to charge a higher price, Whatever it takes to to be the the serve the customer well, that's what will give you longevity, in my opinion.
1: Uh, that's a great answer, and I love that, that line of seeing it through the customer's point of view, or you know, even living it through their their point of view. That's uh, you know, you're right. What they're saying about you is really the new norm. That that that's what's your obvious differentiation is. What is your client saying that's different about you? What can they uh, identify. In fact, now you've got my wheels spinning here. You know, Sh- should I <laughs> should I be scheduling several appointments with our clients to, to ask them that question? You know, and yeah, try to help there us. You, go, you know, identify, help us. You know, see that that a bit clearer. Because um, that answer might be different today than it was a few years ago. Um, Absolutely. And those are the things that we should be talking about. Not, you know, not preaching to them what we think we're. That's better about what we do or how we're different than our competitors is what they what our clients see. That, that, that's great advice. Yeah. So I, I know we all have uh, people we can identify in our lives that have influenced us in different ways uh, to really to now you know to really the people we are today, especially as entrepreneurs. So I'm wondering if you can identify anyone who's had the biggest influence, you know, on on your overall uh, leadership uh, development.
3: Sure. Well, again, you—they uh, just these are such thought-provoking questions for me as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say many of the people that others might say, as a young man, uh, as a, or a teenage entrepreneur, I was so fortunate to discover people like Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, uh, some of the great salespeople, Brian Tracy, uh, even. Uh, Stephen Covey, I remember reading in study hall, actually, the seven habits of how they affect the people and it changed my life. You know, for me, as I've matured, I find people that have uh, you know similar things in common. The number one thing about a leader, I think, is they practice what they preach. There's a gentleman by the name of Dan Kennedy, original business partner named Bill Glazer. Those two, in in, in my marketing and entrepreneurial development and the way I see the game of business, uh, I think both of those have helped me to get to where I am today. I love learning by observation. There are other CEOs, entrepreneurs out there that I, I, I'm inspired by, uh, that, I, that I watch, some that people would think are crazy, like uh, Vince McMahon, who owns the World Wrestling Entertainment Company. I don't watch from a customer, not there's anything wrong with that, but I observe how they build the most dominant uh, entertainment brand uh, when people can go watch football for free all day long they're uh, paying you know getting paying customers all over the world you know i love just watching people who live their vision and their mission those inspire me to be a better leader and, uh, and i hope to answer your question
1: yeah you did and, and you gave some great examples of some different uh people that you discovered so uh, I'm, I'm guessing that you're you know always in that realm of trying to learn and w- when you're not just doing that through observation i'm um, hoping you might have a great answer to this question and that is what are you reading right now and can you tell us about that book
3: (laughs) yeah it's funny because uh i I travel quite a bit i try not to do it in anymore but in stages and so i was in in mexico for a week about uh, two weeks ago and then in toronto mainly on business for a week uh i just arrived late last night and so i always pack one extra suitcase that contains all my notes organ documents and books and so sometimes looking at the cover may be about all that gets done during that week but you know books i'm reading at this very moment uh, uh one is by a sally hogshead called uh how the world sees you. Her original books fascinate. Uh, I, I love that. I actually think it goes with your a lot with your philosophy. And I would just summarize Sally's book very simply by saying it focuses on the strengths of a person and how to use those to be better. I really hate the way, and I say that strongly, educational system is usually designed at trying to make everybody equal, lifting up the weaknesses to be on par and average. Humans are supposed to be unique. They're supposed to have good and, and strong or weak and bad, and, and I think it's better if you focus on the good. That's what Sally is. There's another gentleman who, quite frankly, is very similar to the work I do, just in a different way. His name's Tony Jerry, J-E-A-R-Y. I just got his new book in the mail yesterday called Leverage, and leverage is a, the topic I'm often called upon to speak about and present for. But I think life is about leverage. The, the 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 sum of all the experiences you can acquire in your life are the things you'll remember, and in business it's no different. And you can find ways to grow faster, to do more, to influence. Uh, it's all about leverage. You know the, your radio show is a beautiful example of your leverage to, to communicate. And I and I love this book by uh, by Tony about leverage within your business, both from a financial perspective as well as some of the more tactile branding and marketing ideas.
1: Uh, it's, it's certainly uh, some really good suggestions. Again, a reminder to anyone who's listening: we do. Uh, Is that, po- does
3: that answer the
1: question? Oh yeah, it definitely does. And uh, you know, we we will be posting a summary of of the show. And we also list all the books on our blog at peopleg2 dot com, and you can go to the blog section, and we'll you can search for Scott's uh, uh, name there, and you can if you didn't have a pen and couldn't write down the books, they'll, they'll be listed there. Uh, probably within about a week from today. So we do like to have all that there as a resource. And any other books that our our guests have have ever mentioned, we we list there as well uh, and put them up in our Amazon store. So, uh, Scott, it's been, uh, as always, uh, fascinating and educational talking to you, uh, and I appreciate you uh, being a guest for us. And we we definitely want to have you come back and give us an update on on what you're doing and maybe talk about your book once you've uh, finished rewriting it and uh, some of the other entrepreneurs that you've been working with.
3: Okay. Well, good. Well, thanks so much, Chris. And again, uh, I'm a big fan, and, and it means a lot to have a, a relationship off uh, off the show as well. So, thanks for everything, and appreciate all the work you do.
1: And, and Scott, before we go, if anyone has is interested in learning more about uh, Million Dollar Methods and are having them help you out, uh, how can what's the best way for them to do that?
3: Sure. Uh, well, just the way it is uh, listed there, um, milliondollarmethods.com. dot com. You can read a little bit more about my story. Lots of blog posts on there. Uh, yeah, there, there's a, a way to, to get a, a complimentary consultation as a fan of the show. Uh, if you go to million dollar methods with an S on the end.com it's all one uh, one phrase there. And uh, I'd love for you to 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 follow me or, or meet up or do whatever you do. So thanks.
1: All right. Well, great. Thanks, Scott. And I really appreciate you again being a guest today on the Talent Talk Radio Show.
3: That's, All right,
1: take care. that's about the time we have for today's show. Thanks again to my uh, great guests, Blake Gaska and Scott Manning. Tune in next week, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, to hear Kelly Perdue. Uh, aside from being the CEO of Target Close and Zing Shah, he's, uh, he's also the uh, season two winner of The Apprentice. Uh, you may remember him if you watched that show back before it became a celebrity-based uh, debauchery or show, whatever you want to call that. Um, Donald Trump suing me for that. Uh, sorry, Zingshaw will be, uh, who is the SVP of Diversity and Inclusion, uh, head of uh, the Southeast and Southwest Human Resources of Edelman. I think I misspoke there a second ago. So Kelly Perdue with Target Close and Zingsha with uh, Edelman. We'll be on the show next week. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today.
0: You've been listening to Sound Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G Two.